0: Welcome to Don't Read Drunk, a podcast about books and booze. I'm Jenny, and I'll be your host. Hi, welcome back. Today we are going to talk about The Five Wounds by Kristen Valdez-Quade, which was in incredible. I cannot wait to talk about it. It was such a great book. Our trip to Tennessee was wonderful. The weather was much warmer than Wisconsin, by like 20 degrees and it was sunny. So that made all the difference in the world. I wish I could have enjoyed it just a little bit more. It's helping out a coworker who needed some help and we were kept pretty busy for most of the time I was there. So, I didn't get to hike as much as I really wanted to or spend as much time with my family as I wanted to, but that's what happens when you have a real job and when you have a real job that you can travel with and do from anywhere. So sometimes you get caught up in the actual work part of it. I love the stretch of highway in Tennessee. If you live in that area or have been to that area, Highway 52, I think it's from approximately mile marker 21 to 28. It's so gorgeous because there's mountains all around and it's just like the road is carved into the mountains. So there's these really high stone walls, On either side of the highway, and it's just so gorgeous. Pretty quick of a drive. It's only, again, like it's only seven or eight miles, maybe, but it's so pretty. My son and I also did get to take a little stop on the way home, though I remembered why I did not do this, why I usually just want to drive straight through because it's exhausting enough driving straight through from Milwaukee to Tennessee that you don't need all the extra stuff. But we did a little extra stuff and I'm glad we did it. We stopped at Hidden River Cave in Kentucky, which was super cool. There, It's like a sinkhole. It starts out as a sinkhole. And I didn't realize this, but when there's a sinkhole that big, basically all the water from the surrounding areas just drops to that sinkhole. So all the lakes around that area to be man-made because it all flows directly underground into that sinkhole which is super interesting i don't know if the kid caught all that but it was pretty cool (laughs) and we also stopped at a barbecue place for lunch and had a sit-down meal we don't always do sit-down meals on road trips but the sit-down meal was really nice i asked my kid about a couple places if he wanted the sandwich place or he wanted the barbecue place and he said, you choose mama. So I picked the barbecue place and he was super happy with that barbecue place. He got some honey wings and he was saying, mama, this is so good. I'm glad you picked this place. So it was really fun to just kind of do some things on the way home. But man, was I exhausted when we got home and <laughs> wanted to go to bed right away. Since I was working a ton, I did not get to listen to as many audiobooks or read as much as I was hoping to on this trip. That's kind of the nice thing about going to visit my family is that I get a little downtime. I am not cooking and cleaning. So I get to read a lot more. And unfortunately, I didn't get this on this on the trip, which is totally okay. But I did not get as many books read as I wanted to. And remember, I'm using Scribe, which is amazing for audiobooks. You can use it for ebooks as well. I just use it strictly for audiobooks. And it's totally worth it to me. My link is in the notes. If you sign up on your own, you get one month free. But if you use my link, you get two months free. Check that out. And again, they're not a sponsor. They're not paying me. I just really like it and just want to share it with everyone. For the booze, and I sampled this with my folks, this was Hop House Brewing Company Sweet Sunglasses Pale Ale. Hop House Brewing is in Fitchburg, Wisconsin. And I looked them up. The website is in the show notes too. They have fire pits that you can reserve and sit by. And I was like, they are totally reading my mind because all I want to do is sit outside and have fires and have a couple beers around the fire waiting for that weather to finally hit. (laughs) This is a 5.3 alcohol by volume. It was easy drinking beer. I think it said right on it, the can, and I can't remember easy drinking back porch beer, but totally right. It had a great flavor, a little lighter than what I'm personally used to, but definitely more of a flavor than like a Bud Light or a Miller light. It's not too hoppy at all. It's uh, Both of my folks liked it. My mom's not a super beer drinker. She likes the Summer Shandy by Line Girls and ha- she had some of that at the house, which I did have a bottle or two of when I was there. So she likes that. She likes a few beers and she did enjoy this too. So this is a good option for maybe not a big beer drinker. My dad, who likes the beers a little more, he also liked it and said that was a good one. So recommendations as a yes for my family. <laughs> the author of this, book, like I said before, was Kristen Valdez-Quain, and this is the bio directly from her website. She's the author of The Five Wounds, which is currently shortlisted for the Center for Fiction's First Novel Prize and the Carnegie Medal for Excellence, and is longlisted for the Aspen Words Literary Prize. Her story collection, Night at the Fiestas, won the John Leonard Prize from the National Book sorry National book Critics Circle, the Sue Kaufman Prize for First Fiction, and the American Academy of Art and letters. A five under 35 award from the National Book Foundation and was a finalist for the New York Public Library Young Lions Award. It was named a New York Times Notable Book and a Best Book of 2015 by the San Francisco Chronicle and the American Literary Library Association. Kristen is the recipient of the John Guar Writers Fund Rome Prize and the American Academy in Rome, a Rona Hefe Foundation Writers Award, and a grant from the Elizabeth George Foundation, and a Stegner Fellowship at Stanford. Her work has appeared in The New Yorker, The Best American Short Stories, The O. Henry Prize Stories, The New York Times, and elsewhere. She is an assistant professor at Princeton. So, that's totally a super stuffy bio and not my favorite bio that I've ever read, but it gives you a lot of information about her work and not so much about her as a person or what her family life is like. I didn't find, I looked for a lot of that stuff and there just wasn't that information out there to share about her. Just because she's stuffy though, just because the bio seems stuffy, I don't know if she's stuffy as a person. The book was phenomenal. The novel was phenomenal. The Five Wounds is a story of the Padilla family and they actually. Actually, I think it's Ponce. Perea family, told by three genera- generations across the same time period. All three members of the family, Angel, Amadeo, and Yolanda, are at a crossroads in their lives. While each of the main characters deals with the challenges that are facing them, they are reminded of the por- importance of family and how the dynamics of family grows and changes throughout time. This was a, actually a short story that grew into a novel, and I didn't read the short story, so I can't really comment on that. Here's some spoilers. You kind of hear some of this information up front, like if you read a summary of the story, but if you want it to go into it totally blind, don't listen to this part. Angel at 15 years old is pregnant. Amadeo, an unemployed alcoholic is faced with being a father for the first time after years of estrangement from his daughter. Yolanda is the matriarch of the family and has just found out she has brain cancer and only months to live. So I listened to the audiobook on the drive to Tennessee and back. Between the drive, I didn't really have time to listen because we were either really busy doing stuff or like I said, I was really busy working, but these characters never left my mind and I could not wait to go back and finish the story. We were going to go hiking and we were driving in the car and I was trying to listen to it, but then I was talking to my folks. So I turned it off. Then as we were hiking, it was just so beautiful and we were taking pictures and doing things and talking. So I didn't get to listen to it on a hike either. Sometimes during longer hikes, if we're just hiking and kind of tired, then I'll listen to it, but it just didn't work out this time. But I couldn't forget about them. I wanted to go back and figure out what was going on in their story and listen to more of their story. If you're one of those people who does not like stories about average people who are sometimes unlikable, this story is not for you. Amadeo especially is totally unlikable. He can be kind of a jerk and that's putting it lightly and nicely. (laughs) So if you don't like that kind of story, then this is definitely not the book for you. But it's really real and just incredibly raw. And there's moments in the story that could have been pulled, I think, from my own life. And I expect many readers will feel the same way that While there's nothing in kind of the spoiler part where I talked about what was going on in their lives. There's nothing that I relate to any of that. There were just certain times, certain points in their stories that I was like, oh, I can relate. I felt like that in my life where I've had those feelings and it just felt so raw that way. And Quaid just captures the accuracy and imperfection of life in a really beautiful way in a beautiful style. I really loved the way that she wrote. The five wounds specifically are in reference to the five holy wounds that Jesus suffered during the crucifixion. One in each hand or wrist, depending on what you believe, and then one in each foot, and then the lance in his side. And I also didn't know this, but I saw it on Reddit. Also refers to the five wounds of the soul. So there's an article that I put in the show notes. I put the link there. So if you want to read more about that, five wounds of the soul are rejection, abandonment, humiliation, betrayal, and justice, and all things that definitely occurred throughout the whole book and that the characters felt at different. Times and certainly, I think readers can relate to this. So, the story begins with Amadeo playing Jesus during Passion Week, (laughs) and that caught me right away because, fun fact, my son was the baby Jesus the first Christmas after he was born, so he was like, I don't even know, three months not even three months at the time when he played Jesus, and his father and I weren't, and we are not religious. My son's second cousin was playing Mary, so he got to be the baby Jesus, and that was just kind of a super cool thing that he did and is a part of his history but It was such a kind of contradiction in my mind, like thinking of this little crinkly newborn who was playing the baby Jesus at Christmas to Amadeo, this big man, and she describes him very well playing Jesus during Passion Week. So super kind of contradiction there. Amadeo is an unemployed 33-year-old man living with his mother and hopes this portrayal of Jesus will somehow bring honor and respect back to himself and back to his mother. Spoiler alert here too, you probably don't want to hear this one, if you're planning on reading the book anyways. But this is also why he allows the actual crucifixion of himself in this dramatic recreation. So it's a dramatic recreation and they actually put the nails through his hands. And I, now that I think about it, I don't think they did his feet because they, they don't really talk about that, but they did put nails through his hand. And that's just insane. <laughs> and this is kind of a shocking happening to occur, I think, regardless of who you are. But Amadeo is pretty much a lapsed Catholic and not really somebody who attends church regularly or even has really a strong belief in God and Jesus. It's really, I think, kind of a almost selfish act. As a former Christian, this is something that's even shocking to me. This is not something that was ever something that was portrayed as an expectation or possibility even that you would need to, to crucify yourself or have, I don't know, it crazy And religion isn't necessarily important to the Padilla family though it flows through the novel as a connection but it's also a question as to what importance it holds to each of them. It's just something that is there. they relate to it. It's not their crutch but it's not their it's not something that really supports them a lot either. It's really interesting the way that religion is portrayed through this especially as someone who is very interested in, in religion and the way people practice their own religion. Amadeo, who's often a pathetic figure, does have this beautiful moment of sweetness where he thinks that he can pray to God to fix his daughter's stretch marks so that she can wear a bikini again. And even though he is such a dislikable character at some times, this is just such a beautiful moment. And I, and I love this. And this kind of made me sway more in a little favor of Amadeo. And he's awkward, sometimes despicable. He can be really unlikable in his reactions to his own insecurities, and he is intentionally antagonistic with his own family. Amanio grows the most out of anyone in the novel, and maybe because he has the most growth that needs to happen. He slowly works towards becoming the father and the grandfather that he thinks his daughter and his grandson deserve. But I love how real his growth is. He'll make one step forward and then two steps back again. And it's so funny because I put this in the notes, and then I was also looking on Reddit, and somebody else said the exact same thing. And this is one of the most beautiful messages that I got out of the book that people are capable of change. They're capable of great change. But as in life, the change is made all the more difficult by each person's trauma, as well as that history of trauma in their families. At one point, Amadeo dismisses the flirtations from one of his daughter's teenage friends. And that was the moment that had made me have the most hope for him and believe in his ability to become the man he wants to be for himself, his daughter and his mother. The praying for his daughter's stretch marks to go away was really cute and beautiful. But this to me is real acknowledgement and real recognition that even though you're kind of a bad dad and kind of a jerk of a person, and he does like the attention from this girl, he realizes, that it's totally inappropriate and not a good idea at all. So that helps give me a little hope. And another beautiful message is just an angel herself. The way that she uses her body to gain popularity thinking that she's the one in control is both heartbreaking and real. It's so real that it's sad. And she might be a statistic unwed teenage mother. She herself was born to an unwed teenage couple. She's not stupid at all. Quaid really fleshes her out, really makes her real. And I could not stop thinking about her. I can't stop thinking about her. And I almost believe she's a real person. It's the way Quaid writes these characters; they. Feel Feel so real. <laughs> Just, it's so incredible. Angel Smart but she's idealistic and she is still a child. She hasn't had the experience in life to think about her options and know what they are. Her own mother doesn't even give her the option of abortion or adoption. Here religion steps in again. Her mother doesn't believe in abortion and I guess doesn't believe in adoption either because that's not something that's ever discussed and it's basically here Angel is, is stuck in this position. There's a point in the beginning of the book and I'm paraphrasing here where uh, Quaid writes that teenagers have all the responsibility of adult choices without realizing the life on long implications of these choices and it's so true and it's so impactful and it, it really shows through the book what responsibility angel has she's got great character development she's still learning about life but she's really trying she feels so real and someone that i just can't help but root for as a teen mom yolanda the matriarch is one of the main characters and her story is just not as developed as angels and amadeo's stories are but she's such an important piece to the story It's how she's used to show why Amadeo and Angel kind of are the way that they are. In ways she's an enabler to her son, but she's also such a hopeful person. And this part too seems so real for me that people in general have hope for a better tomorrow. They don't always want to put in the work for the change, but that hope remains. And again, like I said before, people are capable of that change. That change is absolutely possible. It's just how much work you put into it and what you do. And in this situation, as I talked about too, Amadeo will take one step forward and then two steps back when he's really trying. And same with Angel, she she's working to become the best person that she can be and mother she can be for her son. As far as Yolanda goes, when she reaches back out to, to Cal, Cal is this boyfriend that she ghosted. Both their reactions are so real too. It's such a base need of Yolanda's not only to make amends, but to want the support through this tough time that she's going through. And I think Cal responds in such a real way as well with cool support, but support nonetheless. And if I were in Cal's position, I'd probably react similarly, but also be glad that she reached back out. Yolanda does get to see the relationships in her family shift and become better. I don't necessarily think she's to blame for who and what they were. I think she, again, was kind of an enabler and she helped with that, but she was also an instrument in the shift to the positive. The ending wasn't exactly a happy one and it was slightly unrealistic at times considering how real the rest of the book was. It was still real. And then there were certain points towards the ending where it was like, this is unlikely. (laughs) And even though you were like, I don't want this to be the way that it goes, or I want this to be the way that it goes, it's still there. It's still kind of unrealistic. And as a reader, you know, there are still tough times ahead for the Padilla family, but the ending was a really hopeful one. I absolutely recommend this book. It was so raw and it was so real. It just totally me up. There were times that I would just tear up and I could literally just have a good sob about the book as a whole, but it was real and raw in such a good way. For me, five out of five easy. And this is one that will stay with me for a long time. Goodreads gave it a 4.16. And I know I said I'm looking into a replacement for Goodreads, but I tried something and I was confused by it and I didn't really like it. And I've just been busy with work lately. So I haven't had a ton of time to figure out an alternative, but I'm still, it's still, on the back burner. Some other reviews are unflinching, rich in emotion, deeply flawed people in difficult circumstances. And I thought, aren't we all deeply flawed people in any ways? And I think we all go through those difficult circumstances at some point in life or one time or another. Someone else said, found the novel relentlessly miserable with little sign of hope, which is interesting because if you were just listening, I found it all a about hope. (laughs) And something that I did not put in my notes that I meant to, but Amadeo with his religion, you almost think that religion is going to be the savior for Amadeo, but it turns out it's family is his savior. Family is kind of the savior for everyone. And I found that really interesting and then really hopeful. Someone else said they felt manipulated by the plot that every character was written to make a point. And I found that interesting. And I think that There's some truth to that, that every character was written to make a point. But Quaid fleshed them out so well that they felt real and that it wasn't their only purpose to make a point. They felt real in making that point, at least to me anyways. Somebody else said, boring and a chore to read, but they couldn't tell if it was a style issue or a plot issue. Someone else said, hands down, one of the best books I've ever read. And personally, I don't know about the best book I've ever read, but I think of all the books that I've ever read, I think this one will stay with me the longest. I think I, th- I will think about this years to come. This will be one that I'll reread for sure because it just it's just so heart-wrenching and real. Loved it. Media recommendations for this week. So Owen, we were hanging out with Grandma and Grandpa, we watched Mitchells vs. the Machines again on Netflix. And it's so good. I forgot how good it was. It's an animated movie and there's a pug in it and we have a pug. So, of course, we love anything with pugs in it. I definitely recommend that. I also just downloaded an app for meditation. I've been a little stressed with this extra work that I'm doing and helping out this coworker. So I tried out insight timer and I would say I recommend that too, because it's, it's good. It's definitely helping me so far. I've only had it a couple days, but I like it and it's free. So you might want to check it out. Also, while I've been working, I've been having this show on in the background. It's from Netflix. It's called wanted and it's about these two women who are running from the law and they're both innocent and maybe not so innocent. So that's one that I would recommend as well. It's been kind of a fun one, and it's I've been able to kind of follow along with it when my attention isn't 100% on it, too. So that's helpful. You can find me on Twitter at Don't Read Drunk, Instagram at Don't Read Drunk. You can email me at Don't Read Drunk at gmail.com. Check out the website at Don't Read And none of those have an apostrophe in the don't, so keep that in mind. Also, this is a hobby podcast. I'm doing this. All by myself, with my own money, and I'm not paid for it. The full-time job is helping to pay for it. <laughs> so if you can support in any way, I would appreciate it. You can do a one-time donation on PayPal at drunk at gmail.com. Again, no apostrophe in that. Or you can support this podcast by becoming a Patreon, patreon.com slash drunk. Thank you to my sponsors, Erin Ruiz at One Up Till Sunup. That's the number one, U-P-T-I-L, S-U-N-U-P, Aaron Created the Music, super talented musician and awesome guy. You could find him and One Up Tell Sunup on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Also Avenue Coffee House. They are also opening their second location, which will be in downtown Milwaukee. So looking forward to that. Hoping that happens next month. We'll be keeping an eye out for that. You can also find them on Facebook and their website at avenue coffeehouse Dot com. Next episode, if I can get it finished in time, <laughs> because it's been so busy with work, we're going to be talking about The Witching Hour by Anne Rice, another one that I just keep wanting to get back to and just don't have the time to get back to. So I'm hoping that I will get that finished and we'll be talking about it next week. Bye and talk to you soon.